Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to welcome you to Conversations with Yolanda, and I'm so excited to be here with my special guest uh, today. And we're going to have some great conversation about the creative space and and entrepreneurship and women, female founders. And I just want to welcome Tamara to the show today. Thank you, Yolanda. So glad you're here with me today. And I just want to start off, I'm, I'm excited to talk with you about the work that you're doing and that you've done over the years. And I want to start off just having you introduce yourself to those that will be listening uh, to the show. Just tell them a little bit about yourself. Okay. I, I describe myself as a creative entrepreneur. Yes. So I have the spirit of entrepreneurship. I come at that uh, naturally from my family. My dad was an entrepreneur, but I'm a creative. So I use words, music, and broadcast to communicate hope, to especially to kids and to women. Yes, I love that. Great. So within that creative space, what are you? As you've been working in this space for several years. And I think sometimes when when people are are creative, like whether they're in the music and video and movies and TV, or even an author, they they sometimes forget that they are an entrepreneur. <laughs> they just see the creative space and they don't realize that it's really a business. So how have you encompassed all of that? And and part of it I think is going to be because you grew up around it. Right. But tell me a little bit about how you have really in, incorporated all that you do and seeing it at with the entrepreneurship um, mindset. That's a great question. I think it, it goes back to the early days of what I did when I first moved to town mm-hmm. in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I started a nonprofit organization called Love in a Big World. And that in itself, a, a, a nonprofit is a business. Absolutely. Um, it's declared, and we're declared as a C-Corp. So, I mean, it's, it has that business structure, but just going through all the steps of operating a business mm-hmm. and um, having to do everything from hire staff to manage programs to um, oversee budgets and operations, all of that kind of thing, I, I learned. And, and I, I have to be honest, when I first started, I didn't. I didn't get it mm-hmm. that I was an entrepreneur. Yeah. I just thought I was using the opportunities before me to impact culture. Yes. Um, and and to share love and truth with particularly particularly at that time with kids mm-hmm. in urban communities. Um, it wasn't until much later that I realized, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Like when I started hanging out with other entrepreneurs. Yes, that makes a difference. Absolutely. It does, because yes. then I could identify, oh, we've got this common spirit. And I would say a lot of that um, common spirit is the um, the willingness to persevere, mm-hmm. having a vision, not giving up on that vision despite adversity, um, thinking outside the box. Yes. You know, all of that. So that was really the first vehicle that I used. And then, again, like I said, having spent time many years later around a community of entrepreneurs, being able to identify myself as that. And then additionally, um, strange as it may be, because I was functioning within a nonprofit area and working in schools, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really think of myself as a creative either. Ah. 
Wow. I know, strange, huh? Maybe (laughs) other people saw that, but I didn't. So it, it, likewise, it took being around a community of other creatives Mm -hmm. for me to go, oh, that's who I am. And so I've just been able in the last couple of years to assimilate both of those and go, I am a creative entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the purpose of that um, is really to clarify who I am and what I do and then find ways to monetize it because, because the work needs to be sustainable. I can't impact culture if I can't sustain my own family. That is so good to me. And you just just hit on something that's so critical, and that is community. Yes. A lot of times uh, entrepreneurs, and some people call them solopreneurs, nobody can build anything by themselves. You can't really grow and sustain anything alone. And so community is so important, and it really helps you launch and sustain your momentum as you're building. Absolutely. And those communities change over years and over time, depending on what you're working on and what you're doing. But it's so critical that entrepreneurs or small business owners, if you're you have a you're a writer or whatever, that you build something around in a community and that you don't isolate yourself. Because when you begin to isolate yourself, that's when it really gets hard because you feel like you're the only one going through that stuff. You're the only one having to deal with that. But when you get around a community, you see that, oh, Okay, I, I'm not alone in this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's um, being open to collaboration as well. Yes. Because yes. sometimes I think, especially as entrepreneurs and creatives, we can get really um, fascinated with our own opinions. Yes. Or <laughs> and think that we're right. Exactly. We need, we really need to open ourselves up to other people's ideas because we might have one piece of it, but somebody else might have another piece that we need. Absolutely. I call, I I do a training on founder syndrome Mm -hmm. and because when it's our baby, it's our thing, nobody can do this but us. And it's not true. No. You don't have all the skill sets that you're going to need to really grow something that's going to impact if you and you're a trailblazer, you bring you you blaze a trail, but then others can come and help and follow you in that. And so Absolutely. so it's it's so important. One of the things that I know uh, about the work that you're doing in that creative space is you're telling stories. And the power of stories is so important to really building and sustaining the work that we're doing. Tell me a little bit about some of the work you've done in telling stories within the work that you've done and okay. are doing. Yeah. That, that's a really good question. So, um, and, and there's, you might be surprised by my answer. So, <laughs> you know, back in the day when I first started out, mm-hmm. you know, I was in my early twenties and I had a lot of bravado. Mm. <laughs> I look back at my younger self and I'm like, where did all that that scene is go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I told stories all the time in order to communicate a message. Yeah. Somewhere along the way, I think just life happened and I stopped telling stories. Mm. Uh, at least my own stories. Yeah. But I started using other stories. I started yeah. using storybooks from um, great children's authors um, in order to communicate about character education, social emotional learning. 
and found that that was a really great vehicle because no matter how old you are, whether you're a kid or an adult, we all love to be read to. And so using stories like Dr. Seuss stories or Ezra Jack Keats, um, Patricia C. McKissick, I mean, just a wide variety of, of cultural influences and, and culturally relevant influences, I should say, um, was very important in opening people up to talk, have the conversations necessary about character education. What are you thinking? How are, yes. you, how are you framing your decisions? All those kinds of things. Absolutely. And I don't think people realize how important their own story is in their journey and where they're going and how it has impacted kind of where they are today. Yes. And that's the part I was going to add to. So just, just within the last six or seven months, I've, I've been encouraged by others to tell my story. Mm -hmm. And so I've been incorporating that more um, when I provide professional development at schools for, for educators. And it's really interesting how being vulnerable enough to share my journey yes. breaks down defenses and barriers with people and Absolutely. then they're open to receive what I have to say. Mm -hmm. And so I'm still um, having, I'm, I'm in the midst of this dance of how do I tell my story in, in a way that empowers people mm -hmm. um, and also lets them know that they're not alone. Right. Absolutely. It allows you to be able to relate and if you and I know you've noticed this and I notice it all the time when I'm up speaking and I begin to share parts of my story <clears throat> that people relax and then they begin to talk more and share more yes. and they leave there different than when they came. And that's that's our ultimate goal, that when someone comes into a, a, a training with us or a, or a presentation or you're up singing or speaking or whatever. When they leave, you want them to leave different and be have, have received something that's going to help them kind of go to that next level. And I think storytelling allows people to be able to do that. So that that is awesome, and I'm 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 so excited. And even with the work that you do with children, helping them to be able to tell their story in order for them to move past something that may be a tragedy or tragic for them, but being able to tell that story kind of helps them even with their growth and development. Exactly. And that's one of the big conversations in education right now. Because I, 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 with the creative and entrepreneurship work that I do, I'm cross-industry. Mm -hmm. So I'm in education, uh, entertainment, healthcare, business, some government, like just all across. Right? Yes. I'm all about breaking down silos. Exactly. Um, one of the big conversations in education right now is around trauma-informed practice mm. and identifying that, like you said, kids have, have experienced some tragedy and they bring that with them to the classroom. Absolutely. So when I'm working with teachers, I'm encouraging that by telling my own story, I'm encouraging teachers to own their story. Yes. Recognize that kids have a story mm -hmm. and that no matter what space we're in, whether it's a classroom, a community organization, or even in our own homes, we bring our stories with us and those stories impact the way we relate to one another. And I think, like you said, story is a wonderful tool. And whether it's the written word, the spoken word, the, the, the sung word, the um, 
you know, or some other dramatic presentation of a story, mm-hmm. it is a powerful tool in bridging the divide between us. Um, you know, it's story that was told for centuries around the campfire. Mm-hmm. It's what builds community. <clears throat> exactly. Exactly. I know uh, you you have been working on multiple kind of projects and doing work for other companies and talk to me a little bit about, I get this question a lot about how to, how do you manage building uh, your brand and working, doing other work? How do you balance it all? You know, I get that question a lot. So I want to ask you, how do you manage the day job or day work that you do while building your own brand? Um, that's a really good question too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I th- it's just, it's a lot of work. Yes. I think it's, um, for me, it's been finding the leverage points. Yes. So what do I do with my, with, for the work in the company where I am right now mm-hmm. as that connects with what I'm doing for my own brand? Absolutely. That's How good. That's good. So mm-hmm. like, for example, today's podcast. Mm-hmm. This benefits me as a creative entrepreneur, but it also, um, because we're talking about, we have the opportunity to talk about story and about yes. the things I'm doing with Love in a Big World. It's an opportunity to share that work as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I, for me, it's all about finding those connection points. Yes. And again, it goes back to that idea of let's break down silos and stop thinking that things have to be so disparate. Yes. Where can we find the common ground? Yes. And I think... One of the things that's helped me begin to think that way more and more over the years is social media. Yes. Because it, it technology and social media has just leveled the playing field. And so I, I don't think, I think we have to get rid of that mindset of life being separate mm-hmm. um, in separate spaces. It's all together. Exactly. Exactly. That is so good. So over the years with the work that you've been doing and since your 20s, what what would you say has been your greatest win? No. Being a mom. Oh, yes. That's great. I mean, I, I and I knowing that, you know, my kids are um 21, 16 and 13. Wow. So one uh, the first of all, and foremost, I would say the fact that we have vibrant and healthy relationships, despite mm-hmm. all the challenges that we've been through as a family. Yeah. Um, the fact that they are willing to share their hearts with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and th- so that would be one. And then the second would be that they're really proud of the work that I do. Oh, that's and they great. tell me that. And so um, because when I, w- especially when my kids were younger, you know, when you talk about female founders or female yes. entrepreneurship, there is a great tension for me internally mm-hmm. about being a mom and being an entrepreneur. Right. A, like, how do I, when you talk about balance, how do I balance all of these different roles that I have? Mm-hmm. Um, so I always chose to invite my kids into the work. Yeah. And as I was working with other kids, you know, they could be there at the schools or at the camps or at the community orgs. They could see mom doing her thing mm-hmm. and they could participate. Um, so that so now that they're older, they kind of step back and go, Mom, we're really proud of you. Like, look at what you're doing, Mom. And, and that's... That's great. I love that. 
Yeah, and I think it also paves the way. It gives them permission to go for go for what's in their heart as well. Exactly. Like follow your calling, follow your dreams. It, um, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. If we as the parents can say, by our example, I'm going to persevere. It, it helps our kids along their journey too. Absolutely, it does, and that's so good. I remember even with my son, with some work I was doing, community work I was doing, and I would take him. And kids model what they see you do. Yes, they do. And he was taking his shoes and stuff to the school and giving them away. And the teachers were calling me. was like, he's bringing stuff to school. And I was like, I'm glad it's that and not that he's in trouble about something. And so I know as your children watch you do the work, it really definitely is going to impact the kind of work they do, the way they treat people, the way they interact with other people and the young people. And the fact that, because a lot of times what you see, not only in businesses, but in churches and ministries, that you're spending a lot of time with other people and other people's families and your family and your kids get left out. So being able to figure out how you balance, like bringing and incorporating them into it and not leaving them out of that whole process. I think that's, that's so important. Mm -hmm. What are some of the challenges you face early on as you began and realized that I'm an entrepreneur, I'm going to step out in this. What were some of the challenges and how did you push through or beat, beat them? Well, um, I'm just going to be real with you. Yes. Um, So, you know, I started the nonprofit many, many years ago mm-hmm. and ran it successfully for about 13 years. And then when the recession hit in 2008, yeah. it really impacted uh, what we were able to sustain. Yes. Because we were a small nonprofit in Nashville, which is a town filled. I mean, I was talking With to somebody yesterday. And he said, yes. There's at least 300, I'm sure there's even more, mm-hmm. community organizations that are serving kids in schools. Yes. Um, so it's it's very competitive when it comes to that philanthropic dollar. Yes. Um, so I was extremely discouraged. At the same time, I had gone through a divorce. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just like, okay, everything that I've known is just gone. Mm-hmm. And so it was at that moment that I had to make some decisions about future. And I um, that's when I went back to graduate school. I went back for my master's in education at Vanderbilt. So I was a single mom living on welfare mm-hmm. at graduate school, yeah. at which is, is ironic. All of that is extremely ironic. Mm. Um, but we made it through. Yes. I made it through. And coming out of that is when I swore off nonprofit work. I, I, and I really was giving up on the whole creative uh-huh. um, aspect of myself as well and I just dove into the entrepreneurial community here in town mm-hmm. and so I, I'd say it was um, a combination of factors but again being welcomed into a community having some mentors that took me under their wing yes. that are still friends of mine to this day um, and and saw they saw something in me yes. and they called it forth and they continue to call it forth and, and so I think just having those champions around me is what helped me sustain during the most difficult times because I wanted to give up. Yes. I'm very close to giving up. Exactly. Um, but but as I've had other people look at my life and go, no, we see this in you. Um, we see value 
not only in who you are, but also in the work that you're doing in the vision and the call that you have. And we're going to help you. Um, that that's made all the difference. That is so good. And, and you said one thing, mentorship is so critical with the work you do and what I do having coaches. I, I mean, I do, I coach a lot of people, and a lot of executives, but I have one too. So, I mean, having the, that sounding board, people to go to to really ask advice because they're going to see stuff in you that you can't see. They're going to yeah. give you advice that sometimes you may not want to hear, but you need to hear. And so having those advisors around you is so critical. And I would tell anybody listening to the podcast, if you don't have a mentor or a coach or an advisor that's walking with you through this process, please seek one out and get that person really involved in, in what you're doing and in your life. I've had them all since I was a young professional. I've just saw the benefit. And I would go and ask, you know, don't wait on somebody to come and say they want to mentor you. If you, I saw people that were doing what I wanted to do, I went to them. I'm like, I need you to meet with me at least once a month. I'll take you to coffee or lunch. And I just need you to just tell me about how did you get to this position? Because a lot of times we're wanting stuff. But if we sit down and talk to people that's doing it, we may decide that it's not what we want. <laughs> that's, true. that's true. We may decide like, no, I don't want that. I, I tell a lot of young professionals, you you want to be a CEO, you better go ask somebody <laughs> who's doing it. And even I've run companies and been CEO, but, you know, it's a sacrifice. And you need to know that going in. That that is going to be a lot of work. Uh, for, for what what's next for you, Tamara? What what do you see down the road for the work that you're doing? Well, one of the um, projects that I'm currently working on is how to translate everything that I've done with Love in a Big World into broadcast. Yes, I love that. I, yeah, I'm very um, and have been for many many years. I'm convinced that media impacts culture in powerful ways. Yes. Impacts and shapes culture in powerful ways. And I believe that the message that we're communicating with Love in a Big World, um, helping kids identify what's going on in their heads and in their hearts, helping adults as well, so that they can use their hands build up and to build up and not tear down, yes. is, is something that... Um, that we're ready to that we're ready to have that conversation in society, given yes. the current climate. Exactly. Um, given some of the, the speeches I heard on both the Grammys and the Oscars, um, people are are hungry for the message of love. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So how can we, yeah, how can we tell that story? Mm -hmm. What does that story look like, and and how do we tell that story in a relevant and resonant way? So it's not, so it um, welcomes people into a meaningful conversation mm -hmm. and, and um, doesn't alienate them. Exactly. Exactly. That is so good and is so needed. One question that I always ask my guests is, what do you think is your unique skill set or superpower? You know, we always say, what is your superpower? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so what do you feel like is that... Every time you're in a circle of people, people talk about it. Or, you know, when you go in a room, that gift is what's needed at the table. What do you feel like that is for you? I don't know. Usually I answer that with something negative. Uh, oh, no, we don't want no negative today. No. 
that's a whole other conversation. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think um, there's two, and I think, but I think they're related. I think one is the gift of joy, mm-hmm. um, because despite all the challenges and and adversities that I've experienced, I have a lot of joy mm-hmm. and a lot of hope. Um, not just for me and my family or the work that I do, but for, for us as a global community, I have a lot of hope. Um, two is the ability to see strategically. So I'm always looking at, like I talked about earlier, those connection points. Um, who are the people that would work well together? Mm -hmm. What organizations would work well together? How can we form partnerships? Yes. How can we take the message or the brand and leverage that to the greatest extent to have maximum impact on culture. Cause I think the work is the work, right? But the impact, it can be something very different. So I feel like we can spend our time spinning our wheels and just doing the work mm-hmm. or we can think strategically and um, find ways to have the greatest impact. And, and I really do credit my mentor for helping me think that way because he's brilliant. Yeah, that is your gift. The collaborate. I've seen you in meetings. I, I I totally agree with you on that. And I, I cannot believe our time is almost up. But I wanted to really thank you again for joining me on conversations with Yolanda. I love I loved our conversation today. And I want to for you to share how people can reach you if they're interested in helping you build a platform for the media piece or they need some, you know, you some creative work done. How can how can people reach you? Um, there's two ways. One would be Instagram mm-hmm. at Tamara Creates, or um, my website, which is TamaraCreates.com. That sounds great. You guys heard. You can reach on Instagram. You can reach on her website. And we thank you for joining us today. And remember that there's power in your story if you share your story. So thank you again, Tamara, for joining me today. And I look forward to hearing more great things that you're doing and the impact you're making, not just locally, but nationally. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Mm